Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. Do you get excited when you open up a spreadsheet? I mean, do you feel the the goosebumps start to raise the hair on your arms when you click open on that Excel file or that Google sheet? Well, if you're not one of the two accountants listening to this podcast, the answer is probably no. Numbers don't get you excited. And that's where I want to talk today about, in my opinion, what I think is the worst named book of the Bible. And if you're tempted to say, that's blasphemy, pastor, well, remember, the names, especially our English names of the book of the Bible, did not come from God. He did not give us these English names of the books of the Bible. And I think numbers uh, just gives us the wrong idea. Numbers to the average person sounds boring. And when you open up to chapter one and all you do is read a bunch of numbers, you start to think, well, this is going to be a boring book, right? Wrong. It is not going to be a boring book. This is going to be a fascinating book that will teach you important lessons that you need in your life. I mean, I even just look at it, I'm using the English Standard Version, and they put in, again, these are man-made, but they put in little, you know, headings over different sections of the reading, and if you look at the first, you know, little heading that they put in over chapter one, it says, a census of Israel's warriors, right? I mean, warriors or armies would be a better name for this book because that's what the numbers are about. If you read in chapter one that they're meant to take a number of the warriors, look at what um, God says in chapter one, verse two, as we look at numbers one and two today, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by father's houses, according to the number of names, every male head by head. From 20 years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company, right? This is the men that are able to go to war. These are the companies, the battalions of the army that we are talking about. And then we see the numbers, and that's where, yes, I'll give you chapters 1 and 2 may not be the most scintillating reading that we've done or will do this year in the Bible, but get the context of what is going on here. This is a numbering, and then in chapter 2, even an arranging of the warriors of the nation of Israel, those that were able to go to war. And then you see the Levites there are exempted. They were meant to be devoted to the service of the Lord and not military service. And it shows you how the camp is arranged around, you know, the tabernacle being in the center. And just to give us a little heads up about the book of Numbers, this is the book where we will realize, okay, these numbers that you're reading in chapter one, they're all going to die. These armies are going to to lose without even really fighting much of a battle. There'll be a little skirmish that we read about with them, but they are not going to invade uh, the promised land. These warriors are going to die in the wilderness, except for two of them. 
except for Joshua and Caleb. Why? Well, we're going to find out in the middle of the book. And we will see that this generation all dies out in the wilderness because of a lack of faith. Now, really, the book of Numbers teaches us an important lesson about what it means to trust God, what it means to believe God, what it means to have faith in God. So as we start this book, if you're expecting a snooze fest, wake up. Uh, we are going to be reading. Yes, there'll be some parts that seem, you know, a lot of information, a lot of numbers. What do I do with, with these numbers? And yeah, we don't want to read too far into it and try to pull the things out that aren't there. But let's never lose sight of that bigger picture of the numbers of these warriors that failed. And what did they fail to do? Did they fail to have the right military tactics? No, they're going to have a, a failure of faith. So consider that as we read through the book of Numbers. And as we consider these lessons about faith, it's actually a great uh, pairing with our reading in the New Testament as we look at Matthew 17, 14 through 23, Mark 9, 14 through 32, and Luke 9, 37 through 45. And the main thing here before Jesus uh, foretells his death and resurrection again is Jesus healing a boy with a demon as he returns from the transfiguration. And we will see it is a powerful lesson in faith. And so he comes back and there is this boy who is afflicted and demon possessed and the disciples can't heal him, can't cast out this demon. And Jesus says in verse 17 of Matthew 17, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. So what does he rebuke this generation for? He rebukes them for being faithless. And then he casts out the demon and the disciples come and they say to Jesus privately, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, here we see a very important, very critical verse. We see Jesus teaching on the power of faith, a thing that these warriors in numbers did not understand, a thing that his disciples were still coming to understand. And we need to learn these lessons of faith. And I think this passage is critical for a couple reasons. One, it's one of those things that's a good thing that can somehow be spoiled in our minds, right? You think of a good restaurant and going there, but getting a bad meal or something wrong with it that upsets your stomach, right? And then you don't want to go back to that restaurant or you don't want to eat that meal because you had a bad experience once. And that's a danger we need to face with these verses. Not that there is anything wrong with the verses, but they have been misused frequently. I mean, people take these and make take these verses and make them mean whatever they want it to mean because of your little faith. If you just have a little faith, you can move mountains. And it becomes a message of self-empowerment and positive thinking as opposed to uh, biblical truth, right? We think of the faith healers who basically want to just tell you if you uh, just have enough faith, 
you know, you will be healed, you will be cured. And that's where we need to remember, well, every faith healer that's ever lived has died. So apparently that if you just have enough faith thing doesn't work out in the end. And so the concern I have is that we back too far away from passages like this. And we we don't dig into, okay, we've seen examples of what it doesn't mean. What does it mean? And that's where, again, this is not just a message of positive thinking or self-empowerment. In fact, one of the problems that we see with the disciples, it doesn't seem that they were not thinking positively or uh, that they were um, lacking some kind of confidence. In fact, they seemed surprised that they could not cast it out. Look again at what they say in verse 19. Why could we not cast it out? There's a tone of surprise there. They, they think they should have been able to cast it out. Why couldn't they cast it out? And that's where they're rebuked for their little faith. And that's where I think it's important that faith, biblically speaking, is only as good as the object of your faith. And that is where this, this verse, I think, has been misused so much is because some of the teaching on this verse starts to separate faith from any kind of object, right? Just have faith and you'll move mountains. Well, have faith in what? And that's where we have to realize our faith must be centered on the character of God and the promises of God. This is what our faith rests on. I'm not just going out and moving mountains willy-nilly. I'm trusting in God. I'm trusting in his promises. And as I step out in faith for those things, we're going to see God move mountains, so to speak. And that's where, again, I think Jesus is using an expression here more than literally teaching his disciples to go out and move mountains. Read through the book of Acts. You see the disciples moving any mountains in that book? No. But you see him do on all kinds of other things and turning the world upside down through the power of their faith, their faith in a risen savior, their faith in the gospel, right? These are the things that move them forward. So I want you to examine your own heart today and really be encouraged by these verses. Faith, God can use faith to do powerful world-changing things, but that faith is going to be grounded, not it's just in a self-confidence, because that's what we see the disciples seem to have. It's going to be faith that's really grounded in the word of God, in the promises of God, in the character of God. And that's where if you feel like, man, my faith is small, be encouraged. You are not alone. Remember in Mark, uh, what the father says to Jesus as he says, um, to him, I believe, help my unbelief. Right? You might feel, oh, I believe, I want to have that kind of faith. Well, then cry out to God and notice that kind of faith is going to be linked to prayer. It's going to be linked to prayer. Uh, and notice how Jesus makes that connection even in verse 29 of Mark 9, where he says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. That is something I think biblically we will see connected. This kind of mountain-moving, world-shaking faith is going to be heavily dependent on prayer. And I think if we get to a biblical understanding of prayer, prayer is going to seek to be according to the will of God, again, leaning on the word of God, leaning on the promises of God. So, Today, as we start Numbers and as we look at the Gospels, let's learn a lesson of faith and let's put our faith on an unshakable God, his unshakable promises, and his unshakable 
word. And as we do, I hope and I know based on what Jesus said, we will see the world get shaken up. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. My apologies to any accountants that may have been offended by the introduction of today's podcast. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.